If you got a Bible, turn to 1 Peter for a moment. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Like Levi said, uh, I'm preaching maybe a little bit of a different type of subject today. I just released, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, my third book, Single and Secure. And uh, this really is a, a book targeted towards people that are unmarried. Uh, however, I, I wrote the book with, with a broader uh, demographic in mind. And really the heart of the book is teaching contentment, teaching security in all seasons of life. And for eight years, my wife and I, we got to pastor uh, young adults in Miami, Florida. Our church, which has been going now for six years, sort of just feels like a continuation of what we were doing for eight years. Uh, lots of singles in our church. And it's always been a burden of mine. It's always been a passion of mine. I think a lot of times in church, we do a really good job at teaching on relationships, teaching on marriage, but uh, maybe, just maybe, if you're lucky, you'll hear one message that you're geared towards this audience of single people. And, you know, singles is not a monolith. I mean, there's, there's different types of singles and different types of stories. And many times it can even be a pain point for people. And if we're not careful, what we'll do in church is we will give only one solution or one answer, which is get married. Um, but what I've learned is, is that if you're not careful, you will always think that the grass is greener on the other side. How many of y'all learned that the grass is actually just green where you water it? Because I'll talk to single people like, y'all want to get married, I want to get married. But they don't know. I talk to married people that are like, I wish I was single. Um, and we have, this, we have this temptation to think that it's better over there. And the reality is wherever you're at, God is moving. And it's Christ who completes us. It's Christ who satisfies us. And I don't think my answer for anyone today is just simply get married. Um, marriage doesn't solve your problems. Most of the time it just magnifies your problems. Uh, marriage won't get rid of all your problems. Sometimes it just puts a ring on your problems, amen? <laughs> and, and so that's not the answer. The answer really is to discover who he's called us to be, where we're at, and what season we're in. And uh, I, I wrote a whole lot about it. There's lots of different chapters. Today, I just wanna share a little bit of the heart of the book, and I, I wanna try to speak to all people who are watching it. And I just wanna use a, a little foundational text, First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is Peter writing, and he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I want to take this passage today, and I just want to talk for a few moments from the subject, going against the flow. Going against the flow. Using the framework today as we talk a little about relationships from the framework of single and secure. I have learned that most relationship problems boil down to individual issues. That's why we can't talk enough about you, the individual. Uh, you're born an individual. You're going to die an individual unless you like that scene from the notebook where they die together, but we're going to die an individual. We're going to stand before a righteous God as an individual. The question is, did I live my life individually as a single person secure before God content in him? And in this passage that we're reading, this is uh, Peter writing to the church. And it's a very interesting time in church history. We did an entire collection in 2020 uh, from the book of first Peter and we titled it Endure. Because really when Peter writes, they're dealing with a church that is being overpowered by the Roman Empire and there is so much power of persecution and opposition that people are falling away. In many ways, as Peter writes, he's just challenging the church to endure, to stand firm. How many of y'all know that not every season is a season to conquer? 
Some seasons are just about enduring. And as he's talking, he's talking to a church that's really dealing with the power of the Roman Empire and the pressure of all of that and not giving in. In many ways, as you read 1 Peter, you can see so many comparisons to the world that we're living in today. I think living in America in 2022, we're not necessarily dealing with what I would call hard power. Hard power would be like the police force, like them taking control over you and making you do something. Although some people would say a lot of that is happening. But more often than not, what we are dealing with today is a word called soft power. And what soft power is, is a little bit more elusive. It's uh, a little bit harder to pinpoint it typically comes down to ideas and, and concepts. It's, it comes from the media. It's, it's an indoctrination of trying to get you to behave and think like the culture. It's fascinating because when the apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome, he says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What he's saying to us is he's saying that if you want transformation in your life, if you want your life to look different, you have to think different. You can't think like this world. If you think like this world, you're gonna get the results of this world. And many times in this day and age, what we're dealing with in the church is that there is this elusive, invisible, soft power taking place that even creeps into our churches that we start to think like the world. It's like, have you ever watched uh, a movie before where there's like a Christian in the movie? How many of y'all know every time there's a Christian in the movie, He's like the guy you don't want to be. If there's ever a pastor in the movie, it's like, that's the guy I don't want to, you know, he's up there like, I'm a pastor. It's not, it's like, what is that, you know? Or if you watch any sitcom today, if you watch any television show today, how is the father in that home represented? He's always kind of a deadbeat, lazy, the butt of all the jokes. He's sort of dopey. He's just kind of going along with the flow. Why? Because there is actually an assault trying to discredit faith in families. And if we're not careful, we will buy into the narrative of the world. And what is the world saying? The world's trying to share a narrative, trying to tell you where you find satisfaction, where you find contentment. And here is the truth. The story you tell yourself will determine the life that you live. So here's Peter and he's like, yo, I want to remind you that you have been called out of the lies. You have been called out of the darkness. You have been called out of the deception. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have mercy. I grew up in church. I'm an old school church kid. I preach out of the NIV most weeks, but I learned a lot of these verses in the King James Version, the William Shakespeare edition, okay? And there's a little passage right there. It says, you are a peculiar people. I like that phrase. Because if you want to stand out and if you want to go against the flow, you need to remind yourself that you are peculiar. The word peculiar means odd, strange. Yo, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're not supposed to look like the world. Dr. Seuss said, yo, don't go with the flow. You were born to stand out. Trying to reach all people right now today. It's only dead fish that go with the flow. You and I are supposed to rage against the machine. You and I are supposed to push back. We have to remember who we are. I think when it comes to single people, so often we're we're, we're trying to find a partner, we're trying to find a person, we're doing everything we can to make ourselves stand out. But I want to remind you, according to what Peter is saying here, it is not your fleshly individuality that makes you stand out, but rather it is your spiritual identity in Jesus. 
It's your spiritual identity in Jesus that makes you stand out. Don't go with the flow. You were made to stand out. You're not supposed to look like this world. We're supposed to do it different. I think one of the most potent and practical ways that we can be peculiar, friends, is that we can be peculiar when it comes to relationships. I think if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, your friendships ought to be peculiar. That'll look different than the world. Wait, 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 wait. You guys like encourage each other? That's weird. I know. We're believers, you know, like, whoa. I, 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 think, I think family sh- should be peculiar. Wait, wait, wait. Like, like you honor your children. Your children, they honor their mother and their father. That, that, that's peculiar. Dating, it ought to look peculiar. Breaking up ought to look peculiar. Wait a minute. You don't, you don't hate that guy's guts? No, 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 no. Uh, that person uh, is a child of God. And uh, we broke up and there must be someone better for them. Marriage, it, it, it ought to be peculiar. We're called to stand out. We're called to go against the flow. I really believe today that, yo, you're called to be peculiar because regular is already taken. And God has a plan for your life. It's to be secure, confident, content in him. And today I just wanna give you just two little thoughts around this idea of going against the flow. And these are really, really simple but I think that we just got to teach them when it comes to the categories of relationships. It's very, very important that if you want to stand out, if you want to go against the flow, there's not a whole lot of things you got to do, but just, this is really, really easy. Value vision over fantasy. This is going to help some people today. Um, value vision over fantasy. Vision is all about confronting reality and transforming it into the picture that God has given you. Fantasy is all about escapism. And if you want to stand out, if you want to look different than the world, if you want to be reminded what it looks like to endure in 2022, just get a vision for your relationships. Like just have a vision for your life. Because I'm telling you what, that's already going to be so different from everybody else because most people today are living in fantasy world. Most people are escaping from reality. Vision, listen to me, loves the future, but it does not despise the present. Vision works with what's in front of them. It's not escaping from, it's right here in the moment. And I don't know what it is, but so often when it comes to relationships, people live in fantasy world. People live in fantasy land, but God has spoken us that we're to have a vision. When you start having a vision, you start having standards. You start having boundaries. You start having goals. You start having a mission. Some of y'all, your marriage is missing one thing. It's called a mission. (laughs) God didn't just put you guys together to make each other happy. God puts you together to sharpen one another, to give each other an edge. He wants to give you a mission for your marriage. What I know is this idea of vision, it gets difficult because as I have been teaching on this for so many years in the church and I found out that so many people Um, they grew up in such toxic environments. And so when it comes to this idea of trying to get a vision, it's hard to go and find one. Many of us, even today, as as we're talking, I'm not talking from a place of superiority. I'm I'm talking today that I want to encourage you, but maybe what you watched growing up was broken. It was toxic. You know, outside of the church, it's one out of two marriages ending in divorce, but even in the church, one out of two marriages are ending in divorce. And so many of us, what we watched was we watched we watch people get divorced. We watch brokenness in front of us. Or, or, or maybe your parents didn't get divorced. Maybe your parents, they stayed together, but they were, they were miserable. 
And so you watched this with your eyes. You watched two people be miserable, or maybe you watched verbal abuse. Maybe you watched physical abuse. Maybe you watched addiction in front of your eyes. Maybe you watched codependency. Maybe you watched people yell. Maybe you watched people give up, quit. I don't know what you might've watched, but here's what I do know. I know that whatever you watched is what you learned. And before you know it, what we learned is we learned toxicity. We learned brokenness. And so now today, when we start talking about a vision about the future and where God's taking us, we don't really know where to go and get that vision. We don't even know how to find that vision. And so what happens is, is as we start searching, all right, it wasn't in my home and now I've met Jesus, but I don't even know where to begin to start this whole thing. And so what so many people do is they resort to two toxic fantasies that many people are dealing with. The first toxic fantasy that so many people are dealing with if they didn't find at home is the fantasy known as Disney. Disney, uh, I ain't got no problem with Disney, but Disney is full of fairy tales. And it's amazing how many single people I talk to that when it comes to their relationships or when it comes to their love life or when it comes to their future, their entire love life is based on a fairy tale. It's based on a Disney movie. Yo, life is not a fairy tale. If you lose your shoe at midnight, that's because you were drunk. Like, someone's got to tell you, okay? Like, life is not a fairy tale. Like, what do fairy tales say? It's like, you know, they lived happily ever after. And I always, I'm like, how we know that? You know, like, we don't, we don't know if Eric and Ariel, like, we don't know how long they went, you know? Like, it, 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 it's, it's lying to you. It's telling you that life is made out of just one little, one little story. It's one and done. It's all happy afterwards. But, but life is actually a series of stories and chapters and turning the page. But how do I know that we're being influenced? Well, we watched Disney movies and that from a good place in our heart, we have this intention of, well, that's sweet, that's beautiful. And so we, we dream of a happily ever after. But how many know in almost every fairy tale story, it's the same narrative. What is the narrative? The narrative is there is a princess that needs to be rescued. And how many all know that so many people when it comes to relationships, I don't care if it's a guy or a girl, we're either wanting someone to save us or we're trying to rescue someone else. Why? Because what you watched is what you learned. It wasn't hard power, it was soft power. It was just some kind of a thought. It was a compromise, it was a temptation. It was a new narrative, it was a new vision. And before you know it, I know I don't want what my parents had. I know I don't want what they had at home. So I'm just looking for something. And so I grabbed the first fantasy I know about, which is Disney, and it's not true, it's not real. And here we are today, and now we're, we're trying to rescue people. Yo, word of the wise. Don't marry somebody who needs to be rescued. Marry somebody who's already running after their calling and purpose and mission. Well, Pastor Rich, I mean, how do I find someone? Like, who do I, I don't know. How do I pick someone? You know, how do I pick someone, you know? Well, here's a start. Don't pick someone based upon potential. Like hire someone on your staff because they have potential. Don't marry someone because they, what? That is dangerous. But you don't know him like I know him. You don't know his heart. He has a good heart. Sister, he's gonna break your heart, okay? You don't marry someone based upon potential. That's how you pick your stocks. You marry someone based upon their patterns. 
Right. Listen, shaky and unstable before marriage, yo, they're gonna be shaky and unstable after marriage. It's not gonna solve anything. Look for a partner, not a patient. There's someone there that's like, man, I wish I would've heard this 10 years ago. But what is this all coming from? This is all coming from this idea of going, man, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for someone to complete me. It's soft power. Thank you, Jerry Maguire. You complete me. <laughs> that sounds beautiful. And that sounds so nice. And we even find ourselves saying this stuff in our life, but it's dangerous. No person can complete you. They complement you. It's only Christ Jesus who can bring security and contentment that can fill the holes of your heart. Don't put that pressure on somebody. We wonder today why we have such codependent relationships and why so many people that are trying to fill each other's buckets, but the problem is a bucket with holes continues to leak. Even some of the marriages right now, like, can I just for a moment, I know I'm not your pastor, but yo, you quit comparing your spouse to a Disney character. Simba is a lion. You you married a plumber, okay? He's not a prince, okay? He's trying his best. But it's these expectations and what I watched is what I learned. And before I know it, it's never measuring up. It's because I'm choosing a fantasy over a vision. What happens to so many people is that at some point as we mature and as we get older, we graduate from these fairy tale fantasies and the other really toxic fantasy that's just all over the world and it's hard not to talk about it is this more mature adult fantasy, which is this word called pornography. Hard to not talk about pornography when we're talking about one of the fastest growing industries in the world right now. And here at Fresh Life, we, we don't seek to condemn anyone or judge anyone. We seek to build you up and teach you about the good news of Jesus. But friend, you must understand that pornography is destroying the most beautiful part of who you are, the inside you. Why? Because what is pornography? Pornography is using people as objects of our pleasure. I'm telling you what, you have to get a revelation that, wait a minute, people are God's children. They have a soul. They were created in the image of a living God. Well, Rich, I don't know them. They don't know me. It's not hurting anybody. This is soft power. This is the thinking of the world creeping into your life. And I just want to remind you once again that you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a people that were once in darkness, once believing in the lies, but you've been called into the truth. I'm not trying to be hard, but yo, like, it always starts small and it graduates. Do any type of research on a serial killer and you're gonna find that there is an addiction to pornography. Why is it? Because pornography is a gateway drug to murder. Because it starts small in the devaluing of somebody. And before you know it, it begins to graduate. There's a study done recently about millennials and millennials are having less sex than any generation in decades. I mean, they're, they're flabbergasted by it. And there's all sorts of research being talked about that it's not due to pornography. I don't care what the research says. 
How can it not be? Here we have a generation that's watching more porn and having less sex. Why is it? Because they're choosing a counterfeit intimacy. They're picking alone time with themselves rather than using the thing that God gave as a creation, as a beautiful gift for a marriage. It's a counterfeit. It's soft power. It's thinking that's creeping in and destroying us from the inside out. And what does pornography say to us? Pornography teaches us that the body is everything about a relationship, that we begin to feast on the outside, not the inside. So we start to think the most attractive thing about a person is what they look like, what they, what their shape, their body. Just so we know, once again, pornography is not real. It's a full fantasy. It's a full escape. Many of us, even in our marriages right now, your marriage intimacy is being destroyed because you're comparing your spouse to a porn star that you saw that was lit, that had editing, that, that had the right camera angles. And now you get into an intimate moment. You're like, this doesn't seem anything like that. It's because you're comparing them to a false reality. It's not real. It's not real. And so what happens? Now today, there's a whole generation of people that are desensitized and addicted to pornography. And what's taking place in their life is, is that they think the highest thing in a relationship is physicality, attraction, and I'm not trying to say, I know in a relationship that we need to be physically attracted and you have to have chemistry. I get all that stuff. I'm just trying to tell you that pornography would try to say you, that's the only thing that matters. And it's not true. Newsflash, personalities are sexy too. One of the greatest gifts that God ever gave me was that when I met my wife, Don Cherie, we, we fell in love over the phone and it, it forced us as we were having conversation to get to know one another. And we fell in love through communication and talking. And I just want to encourage some people out there that are watching, listen to me loud and clear. If the conversation is trash, the sex will never be good enough. Ever. My wife is beautiful. That's really none of your business, but my wife's amazing. But I'm telling you, the most beautiful and attractive part of her is not her outward appearance. It's who she is on the inside. And this is good news, friends. This is good news because if you don't know, we're all in a fight with gravity and we're losing. <laughs> and I'm thankful that the inside is what matters most. But here's these two fantasies. What we watch is what we learn. See, what you behold, you will seek to become. Many of us, what we've been watching over and over again has desensitized us and has robbed us from a vision. We've got fairy tales and pornography and we've got broken homes. We need God's word. We need a vision. We need the church to be loud, how to teach the next generation what it looks like to have a godly family. We need some men of God that will rise up and break the mold of what media says. and says, I'm a dad. I got my family in church. We're doing this. We're excited. Life is an adventure with Jesus. Get a vision. Get a vision. Get a vision. Some of us, we need to get a bigger vision today. We need to see what God has created for us. And I think many times we're going, okay, Rich, how do I even begin with a vision? Here's, really, here's some really, really practical advice for all the married people in here. Oftentimes, when it comes to vision, vision so often is birthed out of frustration. In fact, I would even just challenge all the married people at Fresh Life today. After this service is over, sit down. If you don't have a vision for your marriage right now, sit down and just list out the things 
that are frustrating because frustration is an indication of what God is speaking to you. So maybe it's like this. Maybe it's like, you know what? I don't like the fact that we yell when we argue. So write it down. We're not gonna yell when we argue. Check this out. This is vision too, because it confronts reality. I'm not saying you're not gonna argue. By the way, this is really important for all the single people out there. Uh, You think about getting married. Uh, Hopefully you have gotten in an argument with that person. Don't come to me asking me to do your wedding if you haven't had a full-on argument. In fact, if you want to get married and you haven't had an argument, like, we don't ever fight. We don't ever fight. Oh, bro, wait till you get married. Go get in a fight after church just to find out who does this person become when they get angry? But you can set some vision saying that when we argue, when we have a fight, there are parameters, there are boundaries. That's called vision. Maybe today it's like, yo, we want some vision. I don't want to be in credit card debt. Okay, that's called the frustration bursts of vision. Write it down. If you will face the frustration head on, God will give you a vision to to carry on. Go against the flow. Go against the flow. Don't live with this fantasy mentality. Choose today to get a God vision for your relationship. It makes a world of a difference. You can find security even right now today. The second thing that I just sensed in my heart today, and I think if you wanna go against the flow, if you wanna stand out, if you wanna be noticed, if you wanna be peculiar, here's what peculiar people do. This is really peculiar. Choose wisdom over experience. Now, this is a really, really sensitive thing. You gotta be careful in 2022 because we are living in a day and age right now where absolute truth is rendered to experience. That, yo, if you don't have the same shared experience as me, bro, don't come at me with your truth. And that already kind of funny, right? My truth, your truth. Truth is just a shaky line that's always moving. Even today, as I'm preaching to you, single and sick here, some of you are like, I can't even listen to you, bro. You're not single. You've been married since you were 12. I, don't, don't come at me, Okay. I think if we're not careful, that type of logic is really scary because that type of logic quickly, we have to throw the Bible out the window because Jesus wasn't married, but he talks to your marriage. Paul wasn't married, but he counsels husbands and wives. No, friends, as believers, those that are not conforming to the patterns of this world, those that are standing out, those that are going against the flow, we have made a decision. Experience is not going to be my truth. Instead, I'm going to seek God's wisdom. I want God's wisdom in my life. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter nine, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Maybe you're new to community or new to church and you're like, wait a minute, the fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. I don't really like, I don't like that terminology. Am I supposed to be afraid of God? No, that's not the context. That's not the heart of the passage by any means. The fear of the Lord is simply talking about the reverence and the awe of who God is that God is placed in his rightful place, that God's word is superior, that God is my truth, that what God says, I obey and I believe and I put my trust in him. I am more afraid of God than anything else because God is in control of everything. 
One of my favorite stories in the New Testament is the story of Jesus and his disciples and they get into this boat and as they get out into the water, Jesus goes below and he falls asleep on a cushion and then the storm comes and the disciples are freaking out like there's a storm. Oh my gosh. And so they go looking for Jesus and they find Jesus asleep on the cushion, which I think is so dope because some of you are like in a storm right now today. I just wanna remind you that you serve the God who sleeps in storms and he sleeps in storms to tell you that you can sleep in your storm. You don't have to be afraid today of the storm. And they go, Jesus, wake up, man. Like, don't you care if we drown? Yeah, I love Jesus. He gets up and he wipes the sleep out of his eye. He has a yawn and he goes out in front of the boat and he just looks at the storm and he says, be still. And instantly the Bible says that the storm became calm. What's fascinating about the passage is the Bible says that the disciples were afraid in the storm. And then when Jesus said, be still, the next phrase says that the water became completely calm, yet the disciples were terrified. <laughs> Afraid of the storm, terrified in the calm. You say, Rich, why? Well, because they met the storm's match. They met the one who's in control of the storm. And once you meet the one who is over your storm, you know where all of your fear belongs. It goes to him. All of my awe, all of my wonder, all of my praise, all of my energy goes towards that one. The fear of the Lord brings what? Brings wisdom. Brings wisdom. And then the Holy Spirit brings insight into my situation. If you're gonna go against the flow, if you're gonna endure in this day and age, you have to be a person who chooses God's wisdom over your experience. I mean, this is what it means to have faith. God, I'm gonna trust your word over my circumstance, over my feelings, over my emotions. I'm trusting what you said. I don't want a faith that is determined by my experience. I want my experience to be determined by my faith. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. If we took a microphone down all the roads at all the locations today and we said, are you, are you hoping something will be added to your life? Every person at every location would have something that they're asking God to add to their life. But what regular people do, what the world would do would go chase after that thing they're trying to add. But those of us that are in Christ Jesus, those of us that have been found security and completion in Christ. We don't go chase after any of those things. We go chasing after the one who is the author, perfecter, and finisher of our faith. I seek Jesus first. Seek God first, or you'll seek God next. One way or another, you're gonna find yourself seeking God. Why not go to his wisdom first? I came across a study, I didn't put it in the book, but I thought the study was fascinating. It was done um, by the, uh, the Telegraph in the UK. And it was some research done about talking to people who had found long lasting relationships, but they wanted to work backwards. They wanted to figure out all that they had to, to go through, if you will, to, to land on a healthy relationship or land on a committed relationship. I thought this was interesting in their study that the average woman, she kissed 15 people. She had seven sexual partners. She had four one night stands four disastrous dates, three relationships that lasted less than a year, two relationships lasted more than a year. She fell in love tw twice. She was heartbroken twice, cheated once, and was cheated on once. I like that she was honest. I, I cheated on somebody. 
Then they went to the man and the man, this was the average man. The average man kissed 16 people, had 10 sexual partners, six one night stands, four disastrous dates, four relationships that lasted less than a year, two relationships that lasted more than a year, fell in love twice, heartbroken twice, cheated once, and he was cheated on once. And when I read all that information, one part of me wants to preach it and let somebody know today who's watching that maybe you found yourself going through a whole lot of negative, traumatic, heartbreaking experiences. I wanna encourage you today that there is a God who is gracious. There is a God who is good, who will pick you back up. He will restore you. Keep moving forward, keep walking. There's something on the other side of what you're facing. But then the pastor heart got a hold of me and said, wait a minute, we're called to go against the flow. And I just wonder out there, do we really have to have this amount of experiences before we can find something healthy and committed? Who said that? No, I believe that if we'll put God first, if we'll get his wisdom into our hearts, we serve a God who has a plan and a pathway that if we'll trust him, he wants to protect us. He wants to put guardrails up. He wants to safeguard us. He cares more about our future than we do, but we have to trust his wisdom. You you can get wisdom lots of ways. One way you can get wisdom is through other people's failures. This is the really wise people, by the way. This is who I'm trying to become right now. I want to learn from Levi's mistakes and I want to learn from your mistakes and I want to learn from God's word. But more often than not, what I've learned about people is that we don't always learn from other people's failures. More often than not, we learn from our failures. And today I just wonder, how many times do you have to hit rock bottom before you get a revelation that God's plan is better than your plan? One of my favorite passages says, the righteous man, he falls seven times, but he gets back up. Isn't that beautiful? That righteousness is not about falling down, but rather righteousness is always about getting back up. You can get back up today. If you found yourself in a failure of any sort, maybe that's in your marriage. Maybe you're just coming out of a divorce. Maybe today it comes to your purity or your standards that you've, you've, you've lowered your standards or maybe today you feel like you've been settling or you've been trying to find completion in somebody else. I want to let you know that you can get back up. The value of failure is always learning. And the value of learning is always improvement. That you're going to get better because of this. But today, as you get back up, can you make a decision once and for all to say, I'm going to choose God's wisdom over my experience? Can we be God's people? Can we be people that say, God, I'm going to get wisdom from what you said, not by what I feel. This past week, I was thinking about the wisest man that ever lived. His name is Solomon. And uh, he wrote some beautiful books in the Bible. Proverbs is a great one to start with. And whether you believe in Jesus or not, read Proverbs. You're going, you're going to get some, you're going to at least get some good stuff to put on your Instagram caption, okay? <laughs> but Solomon was the son of David. David was this incredible king of Israel. His son Solomon went and took his kingdom even further, built the temple, built palaces, did amazing things. And Solomon, before he became king, God said, what do you want me to do for you? And Solomon had enough wherewithal to say, God, I want you to give me wisdom. 
And it's a really, really beautiful part in scripture. It wasn't just his request. It was what he attached his request to. He said, God, give me wisdom. Why? So that I might lead your people. It's very important today that if you've walked into these doors at Fresh Life, if you're watching on YouTube or any of the other spaces or listening on Spotify, that you understand that at the heart of God is always you. God loves you. God's people. People are what moves God's heart. And it wasn't just Solomon's request for wisdom. It was Solomon's request, God, give me wisdom that I might lead your people. And God gives him wisdom and with it, he begins to lead and does incredible things. And he writes Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon and go read it. It's amazing. Yet one of the most peculiar stories about Solomon, I don't think I've ever preached about it in my entire life, is a story found in 1 Kings chapter three. It's a very odd story. It is a story to me that stands out. The story goes that there's these two prostitutes and they are living in Solomon's kingdom and they both get pregnant and then they both end up having children three days apart. And one night while they're sleeping, one of the prostitutes, she accidentally sleeps on top of her son and suffocates her boy, but she's sly. She gets up in the night and she trades, she switches the two boys and she takes the other boy and when the other woman wakes up in the morning, she goes, this is not my son. I know my son. And the other woman's like, no, 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 it's not your son. This is my son. And you thought Jerry Springer invented drama. Trust me, the Bible's got a lot of drama. You need to, you need to read it, okay? I and mean, then this whole situation, and this case is brought before Solomon. They go, Solomon, you, you got to solve this thing. And you got these two women, they're fighting back and forth. This is my boy. No, this is my boy. This is my boy. And Solomon, he looks at them and he has to make a decision. And the scripture says in verse 24 that Solomon says, bring me my sword. Which if you're reading, you're like, I thought this guy was wise. You know, where's he going with this? And they bring him a sword and he says, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna divide this living child into. And then both of you can have half of the child. Well, one mother goes, no, 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 don't kill this baby. No, 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 she can have the child. I don't want you to kill him. Of course, this is the real mother. And then the other woman goes, yeah, give me the, give me the legs. I'm, I'm good. You know, this is a bad woman. And, and instantly Solomon says, okay, I now know who the real mom is. Which how many y'all know, even if that's not the biological mom, that's the real mom. <laughs> he, he, he was grabbing his sword and he was getting ready to divide the baby in two. You say, Rich, why are you telling that story? Well, as he does this, he discovers the real mom. Everyone there in the court that day marveled at God and they said, this is God's wisdom. We now know the truth. I wonder today how many of us on this Sunday, whether we're married or single, undecided, it's complicated, divorced. I don't know your story today. I wonder how many of us need to grab our sword. This is the sword of the spirit, sharper than any double-edged sword. And I wonder how many of us today, we need to grab our sword and draw a line in the sand. When you decide, you divide. A decision always brings some form of division. 
And today, as you grab the sword, God's word, and you draw a line in the sand, you're not just gonna bring division and the truth will be revealed as you get God's wisdom. What you are doing is you are bringing division to the enemy's lies in your life. That once and for all, as you decide, you are dividing the enemy's tactics. Devil, you can throw temptation at me. Urges are gonna come my way. Emotions are gonna come my way. Feelings are gonna come my way. But I have decided that I am building my life, not on my truth. I have decided I'm building my life on God's truth. I want God's wisdom over my experience. I am going against the flow. I know who I am. I'm peculiar. I stand out. I'm going to endure and trust God's way over my way. You can be secure in this season. You can be content in this season. Any season with Jesus is an adventure. It's an adventure. But today say, God, give me a vision. Give me a vision for my marriage. Give me a vision for my family. Give me a vision for my season of singleness or my story of singleness. God, I'm choosing today wisdom over experience. This world, it lies to us. But Jesus, he's full of truth. And we need his word. We need the sword and we need to draw a line. When I decide, I divide. And the truth will be revealed. It will be revealed. Going against the flow. Going against the flow. And Peter, he would say, I wanna remind you about your spiritual identity. In these tough times, these difficult times, maybe we're not dealing with hard power yet, maybe it's just soft power, it's ideas, it's concepts, it's indoctrination. Hey, I know who I am and I'm enduring, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ, author, perfecter, and finisher of my faith. I just even sensed today as I was coming in that some of us, like this needs to be a day that you just declare out loud. I'm going against the flow. Like single people, you don't have to do it like your friends. Your friends don't even have what you want. <laughs> Some of you, you need to walk out of your, you need, to, you need to walk into your job tomorrow. I don't care what your title is going. Yeah, I'm going against the flow. I'm peculiar. That's my title around here. <laughs> Some of you married people, get, get with your spouse. Yeah, we are peculiar. We're, we got a mission we're called to stand out. Get your kids around the table and remind your kids we are not like everybody else. We are called to stand out. We're going against the flow. We're going against the flow. We're not conforming to the patterns of this world. We're complete in Christ Jesus. We've got vision. We've got wisdom today. Today, with your heads bowed all over this place, wherever you're tuning in from, however you're watching this, just know God's working in people's lives today. And I know whenever we deal with the topic of relationships or the issue of singleness that, man, there's no pain quite like relational pain. We all have different stories. And I don't know how you're suffering today. I don't know how your heart is broken, but I know that we serve a God who can Heal your broken heart if you'll be willing to give them all the pieces. Some of us today, we're in deep need of healing. That healing always comes from surrender and forgiveness. Listen, if you don't heal, 
from what cut you, you're gonna, you're gonna bleed on people that never, never ever hurt you. <laughs> you. You gotta let it go. You gotta surrender it to God. You gotta forgive. Just even right there at your chair right now or at home, just, just surrender to Jesus. Just, God, I give it over to you, Lord. Fill the gaps, be honest with him. Let him heal you, let him minister to you. But so many of us, we've walked into today and we don't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Today, he wants to meet you right where you are and he wants relationship with you. He wants to complete you. He wants to satisfy you. He wants to bring salvation to your house. He wants you to know that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. He wants to call you out of the darkness. He wants to call you out of the lies. He wants to bring you into the truth, out of the world, into the kingdom, out of the darkness, into the light. Yet to all who received him and believed in his name, he gave them the right to be called children of God. And today he wants to call you his. How do I do that, Rich? It's, it's, it's simple, you. You simply believe and you confess. So wherever you're at, whatever location you're at right now, if you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you want to make a decision today, I even sense right now as I'm, as I'm preaching, it's not just those that need to make a decision. Some of you need to make a recommitment. You need to grab the sword and set a new standard and decide today once and for all, it's, my, it's God's wisdom over my experience. It's God's wisdom over my experience. If that's you, whether you're making a decision for the first time or you need to make a recommitment today, on the count of three, would you just be bold? Would you lift your hand up high enough and long enough just so, just so today that as you make that bold confession, as you lift it up, I'm gonna see it and we're gonna believe that God sees it and we're gonna pray a simple prayer together. If that's you on the count of three, would you be bold? Ready? One, Bible says today is the day of salvation. Two, don't look at your neighbor. It's not about your neighbor. It's between you and Jesus. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you just lift it up? Just lift it up. That's me. 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 I trust hands are going up at all of our location. Hey, people making a decision to follow Jesus. And why don't you just stand to your feet right where you are today? Can we just lift our hands towards heaven? I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. Just lift your hands towards heaven. I'm just going to pray this prayer. Would you pray it out loud with me at all of our locations? Let's just do it together today. Say, dear Jesus, today I surrender. I give you my life. God, I repent. God, I hand you all of my sin and I receive your forgiveness. Make me clean today, Jesus. I want relationship with you. God, I believe you are good and I believe you are who you said that you are. Today, I'm making a decision to go against the flow. I want your wisdom, Jesus. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.